welcome to We Got Goals, a podcast from asweatlife.com. I'm Kristen Guile. I'm the Chief Content Officer of A Sweat Life. And today we are wrapping up our month-long deep dive on the environment, sustainability, climate change, and more. So to start off, here's a fun statistic for you. In 2018, the North American sports market had a value of about 71 billion US dollars. Needless to say, sports have a huge influence on the way we spend our money, whether it's to shell out for a ticket to the Super Bowl or on a smaller scale, grabbing a certain candy bar because their Super Bowl ad made you laugh. So what if we harnessed that power of influence for good? That's what we're exploring today with Zoe Morse, a defender from the Chicago Red Stars soccer team. Growing up in East Lansing, Michigan, Zoe lived, laughed, loved, and lake-lifed her way through her childhood. But when she arrived in Charlottesville to attend the University of Virginia and play soccer, she realized just how much she'd taken her proximity to nature and fresh water for granted, especially after witnessing the Flint water crisis. In college, Zoe balanced studies in environmental science with soccer practice, while also founding a group called Green Athletics that developed uh, sustainable changes in the athletic department. And now as a second year player in Chicago, she's found creative ways to continue her passion for sustainability. For example, she was certified with the Chicago Conservation Corps through the Peggy Notebart Nature Museum, empowering her to lead local sustainability projects. She's also a member of Eco Athletes, a group of athletes and activists teaming up to mount a climate change comeback. And most recently, Zoe was named the official sustainability ambassador for the Chicago Red Stars, a brand new position that Zoe says shows the club's commitment to sustainability issues. As the sustainability ambassador, Zoe will continue her advocacy work for the environment and make suggestions for ways that the club can improve their sustainability efforts. Eventually, they hope that other women's soccer clubs will have their own sustainability ambassadors so that they can work together to affect change on a broader scale. And as a young league, the women's professional soccer teams have the freedom to establish a lot of sustainability forward practices and partnerships, and we're excited to see how they do it. And now on to Zoe's interview. Welcome to We Got Goals, a podcast by asweatlife.com. I'm Kristen Guile. And today, in keeping with our month's focus on Earth Month and sustainability, we have got Zoe Morse here. Zoe is a professional soccer player um, on the defensive end playing for the Chicago Red Stars. So we love a local team. And she's also a passionate sustainability advocate who was just announced, um, breaking news in my world at least, as a sustainability ambassador for the team. So we'll be hearing more about that throughout this interview. But Zoe, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Super excited to be here. Excited to have you. We love soccer and we love like women in sports is our version of women in STEM for (laughs) Sweat Life. So super excited to hear you talk more about um, your personal history with sports and how that all weaves in with sustainability. But I think you can do your own introduction a lot more justice than I just did in those first couple of sentences. So why don't you introduce yourself to our listeners? Tell us about your um, history with soccer and sports and growing up and your journey to being a professional player right now. For sure. So I grew up in East Lansing, Michigan, Um, loved growing up in the Midwest and around all the Great Lakes. I think 
we'll get more into this later, but that's where my like love for the outdoors and all that kind of good stuff started. So grew up there, played soccer since I was, I think three years old. I don't know if you can really call it soccer at that point, but I played soccer then and played tons of sports growing up, just was always super active kid. And yeah, had like awesome parents and siblings who we were all just in it together. I ended up going to play soccer at University of Virginia and out in Charlottesville and had an awesome experience there. And that's kind of where I got more into the sustainability stuff. Um, but yeah, we loved playing soccer there, loved my team, and then ended up getting drafted to here in Chicago in 2020. So this is my third year here. And yeah, been here ever since I got drafted. It's been interesting because I came here peak COVID. So I'm kind of this summer, I think will hopefully be my first like real summer in Chicago. So yeah. I'm super excited about that. <laughs> but yeah, yeah that's kind of my background. Perfect. I think you will have a much more fun time in the next, let's say, six months than you probably have the last few years all combined. Um, yeah, crossing my fingers. <laughs> it, what's the timing of the the women's pro season too? Do you get time off during the summer to enjoy it? Not the summer. No, that's actually more like peak season for us. So we, oh no. we start preseason February 1st. So that's when I got back here this summer or this season. And then we end end of October. So okay. we have winter off, which I stick around the cold weather. Some of my teammates go like jet off home to California and enjoy the warm weather for the winter. But no, I like all four seasons. So yeah. I stick around here. Um, and yeah, so we're like peak season midsummer, but it's honestly nice. Like I enjoy having the season go throughout the whole year. Well, and it works out for your fans too, because now we can come see you and enjoy the full experience instead of having to bundle up in winter gear like the Bears fans have to. Yeah. Our last three games, I think, have been under 40 degrees. I might be exaggerating, but it's snowed. It's yeah, it's been interesting. So I'm I'm very happy that it's 60 degrees outside right now. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, you mentioned growing up in East Lansing and near the Great Lakes, and I know that a lot of your sustainability work has to do with um, water. So how, why don't you give me a little bit of background on what you meant by that? For sure. So I, like I said, I grew up in East Lansing, which is kind of smack dab in the middle of the state. So I kind of spent time at all the Great Lakes. Like my family would take little quick, like one night vacations over to like Michigan or to a friend's cottage up north, up to the UP or something like that. So I just grew up kind of surrounded by water. I mean, literally and figuratively. And I don't think I really understood how much that impacted me until I went to college and wasn't surrounded by that. I was surrounded by an entirely different form of nature because Charlottesville is like in the Shenandoah Valley and it's absolutely gorgeous, but it's different. Like you're landlocked pretty much. I mean, you, there's the ocean, but that was far away. Um, so yeah, that's kind of when I started to realize how just grateful I was for having those experiences when I was young, like saying, oh, like I'm going up North for the weekend in Michigan is such a normal thing. But then I come here and say that and people are like, what do you mean up North? Like, what, what does that even mean? But for us, that's like, oh, you're going up to a cottage. You're going to spend some yeah, time yeah. like camping. You're going to hit, go outside, whatever. Um, yeah. So that's kind of growing up is just like part of my life. Um, but then when I was a sophomore or junior in high school is when the Flint water crisis really like hit mass media and became a big deal, even though it was already happening for many years before that. Um, so that was kind of my first introduction to 
an environmental crisis where I was like my awareness, like I was aware that it was going on. And that was the first time I was like, okay, what can I do to help this? Because I live about 45 minutes from Flint. And I was like not impacted by it at all, but those people were so close to me. And like, I grew up before I moved to East Lansing closer to there. So like, it felt like neighbors in a sense. And I was like, how is this happening right now in the United States in like this time? I don't, like, it was just, that was when my awareness opened up. Um, so that along with living by the Great Lakes is kind of how my interest and passion for issues surrounding water got started. And then you said that you got more involved a little bit while you were in college. Were there any sustainability efforts that you took on or classes that you took that helped further this passion? Yeah. So when I first went to college, I kind of had it in my head. I was going to do pre-med. I've always been super interested in like the human body, all that kind of thing. I think that's like a lot of people when they first go to college and then you get there and you're like, wow, there's so many other things I can do. So that was me. And I, so I started taking some of those classes, but in my biology class, I realized I was much more interested in how human biology and interacted with all other biology, like human biology isn't the only kind. So then I started taking some environmental science classes and ended up uh, majoring in public health, minoring in environmental science. So kind of getting that combination of human health, human well-being, and then how does that interact with our environmental space? So what do we do to the environment? How does that impact the environment? And how does that come back and impact us? So a lot like the Flint water crisis, like how is our like urban planning pipe system? How does that end up impacting our health? How is that um, adversely impacting the environment itself. So that was kind of my route of study. Um, but while I was there, I was on the soccer team and my, (laughs) whoa, (laughs) um, my sophomore year, I was like, I need to add something else to my life. Like I love soccer, like, but I do it all the time. That's the only thing I do. Like I, my soccer teammates are my best friends. I am playing soccer all the time and then I do school and then that's it. So I was like, I need to expand my horizons. So I started looking for some clubs and I became a part of this thing called Sustainability Advocates, which was just a club on campus that did a bunch of cool stuff. And I, they ran things called green games, but they like weren't directly affiliated with the athletic department at all. And I was like, Hmm, well, I like spend my life in the athletic department. So how could I be a better bridge for this? And I ended up starting something called Green Athletics, which became the sustainability advocate like branch within the athletic department, I guess you could say. So we helped brainstorm and run programs that would help decrease the environmental impact of our um, athletic department. So that was like a lot of waste reduction, um, environmental awareness, talking about water reduction, energy use reduction, all that kind of good stuff. Um, Yeah. So that's what I did in college. And then you graduated and were you pretty positive you were going to enter the draft right away? That was the pretty clear path for you. Yeah. I've always known that I wanted to play professionally or just however long I wanted to play. So when I was a senior, I was like, I still love it. Like I'm going to keep playing if I can. So yeah, entered my name in the draft and ended up here. Here you are. So (laughs) once you sort of got your, your feet under you here in Chicago and, um, got used to, you know, this, this new life as a professional player, different city, different atmosphere. Did you start thinking about how you could integrate 
your sustainability focus here as well. Um, walk me through that a little bit. Yeah, for sure. So that was definitely something I wanted to carry over from college. And at first I was very intimidated because in college, like you're pretty insulated. It's there's literally, you can go online and say, how do I start a club in college? And like, that's what I did. And it was like a laid out path. And I just had to go talk to certain professors or whatever, but now obviously it's a like Chicago is a huge city and it's a much bigger space. And I didn't really know how to navigate that. Also, it was like COVID hit. And I was like, what do you do when you can't actually go do anything with other people? Um, so what I ended up doing when I first got here is I found um, or C3 advocates through the Peggy Notabart Nature Museum. Oh. And I they like were running a virtual class for you to get certified as a, I'm going to forget the what it stands for. I think it's Chicago Conservation Corps, I think. So you get like certified as a member and you can run different events. So I took that class. It was like a two nights a week, hour long Zoom. And it was honestly perfect. And I just learned all about what people were doing in Chicago. Like there was always a guest speaker talking about a different organization, whatever. So that's how I kind of like dipped my toes in the water of what the sustainability landscape looked like in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So when I got here, that's kind of the route I took and then getting involved with a couple of organizations through that. Like I volunteered with plant Chicago or I ran an event through C3 but then my next goal or challenge was how do I incorporate that into my soccer team now? But, and yeah. again, Red Stars is like a bigger organization than my soccer team at college. So I was like, how do yeah. I like, come into this? Also, I'm a rookie. Like people are like, who do you think you are coming in here trying to change stuff? Like that whole thing. And then I developed some like imposter syndrome. Like who, who am I to be saying yeah. this? Okay, yeah, I did study this in college. I do care about this. But so dealing with those emotions, like, okay, I'm really passionate about this. Any little thing will help. But also being like, mm, what if someone like says I'm wrong about something or like, what do I do? Anyway, so that's how I initially started navigating it in the Red Stars. And we ran a green game last year, which is like our first, my first thing that I did with them. And that was awesome. Oh, cool. And then now this year we're like, we're building upon that. And now that I'm officially the ambassador, which sounds I don't know, very official, but all I'm going to do is try and help the club, like improve our impact on the environment and also our presence in the community as an organization that advocates for environmental health and human health. Awesome. Oh my gosh. You you nailed on so many things that I wanted to make sure that we touched and I've got a lot of, a lot of follow-up questions for you, but you, um, I understand the feeling of like imposter syndrome and feeling like as a rookie, you know, who are you to come in and make all of these suggestions? But it seems like the Chicago Red Stars have been super supportive. And, you know, one of the things that they've done to sort of make you official is name you as a sustainability ambassador. So tell me what exactly that means and a little bit more on what it requires from you to do and how you're acting as that ambassador role. Yeah. So I think to be completely honest, we're still figuring it out, but it's something that the club is passionate about committing to and they want to support these causes and also causes that their players are passionate about. So they were like, we want to give you this platform to advocate for what you believe in and also to teach us like, what can we do better kind of thing. So it's 
it's very much a commitment um, from the club to take further action. Um, And we're figuring out what that'll look like. Like we're definitely planning on doing another green game this year. And we have a couple other events like in the works, lots of brainstorming going on. But from my perspective, it means that the club is taking like, or making this more of a priority. And that's something I'm super excited about. And I'm just going to be there to help in whatever way I can. Like, I think <laughs> I've been a bit annoying at times. Being like, hey, we could do this. We could do this. Like I have so many ideas, but they're always super receptive. Um, and this is just them being like, hey, we are committed to this, which yeah. I'm super excited about. And I honestly, I don't know if there's another club who's taken the step to like name an ambassador. Um, yeah which I think is huge from the club that they're willing to take that step. So, yeah, yeah, it would be awesome if, if other teams took this lead and each one named an ambassador and then you can all work together on a larger level, but I'm sure you've thought of that. And also I'm getting ahead of myself. <laughs> no, I love that. I love that idea. Um, you mentioned a green game. What exactly is that? Um, do you have any on the schedule that we can keep an eye out for too, or just planning to have another one in the future? Yeah. So well, first, right now we're planning the one from this year, so there's not a cool. set date, but it will happen sometime this year. Stay so tuned. Yes, stay tuned for the official date. But so a green game can look however the club wants it to. So when I was in college, it was a lot, uh, or the focus was a lot on waste reduction. So we like organized volunteers to walk around with recycling and compost bags, and they would educate fans. They'd go to tailgates, like help divert as much waste from the landfill to the wherever recyclables go. I don't, you don't call it a landfill. Whatever. Recycling center. Recycling center. There you go. <laughs> and, or to the compost facility. So then we would like weigh all of the waste and be like, Hey, look, we diverted a ton of waste from the landfill and we saved this much CO2 from being emitted, that sort of thing. So you can really, you can put facts and figures to these like to the output you were able to generate from the game. And then a lot of it's also just interaction with fans, interaction with the teams, just educational opportunities kind of thing and bring in different organizations that are doing awesome things like they table and just continue to spread their message. So that's what it looked like in college. And then now with red stars, we're are kind of trying to brainstorm what this is going to look like. But last year, what we did was in the week leading up to the game, we hosted a park cleanup where a bunch of people from the team, front office, staff, that kind of thing, all came out. We walked around for two hours and picked up trash, recycling, all that kind of stuff, and just cleaned up parts of the city. Um, and then at the actual game, we increased our recycling bin numbers to in order to divert more waste. And we gave out um, reusable grocery bags to the first 2,000 fans. We held a used soccer equipment drive to donate that, like, promote the circular economy, that kind of thing. And so we're hoping to just build off of that this year and to continue to improve it. Awesome. Uh, that's super exciting. And I'm excited to hear, you know, when, when you guys decide on the green game for this season. Um, and I would love to hire you and the team to come to my neighborhood for a trash pickup because yeah. it's gotten, it's gotten kind of bad lately. So <laughs> let me know the contact form for that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So we've talked a lot about like your work on more of a micro level and, you know, what you're doing as an individual and now with the support of the the Red Stars to help encourage these sustainability efforts in professional sports. But 
What do you think sports and other, you know, professional organizations could be doing in general on a, on a broader level, on a bigger level? I mentioned there's no red tape to deal with to increase the sustainability efforts because professional sports is such a big influence in a lot of our society. Uh, it drives a lot of dollars and I would love to hear just your thoughts on like pie in the sky. What would your dream scenario be for how sports could help influence sustainability? Yeah, I, that's, I love this kind of question. I think for me first, it would be to hit net zero in terms of environmental impact for the sporting events themselves so that they are not creating a negative impact as like their own entity. And then to use the platform that you talked about, like there is a lot of influence in sports. The players have followings on social media. The clubs have following on social media. We're on like cable television or network television or that kind of thing. People are tuning in on a random Sunday at 2 PM and we have influence. So it's using that to the best of our ability to spread a positive message. And I, something that I think we need to focus on, and I don't know if we're even maintaining it, so I don't want to say maintain, but not spreading a message without backing it with doing our own work, because I think it's super easy to put out a social media message, something like, you should do this, you should do this, like, and educating the fans. But then as a club, if you're not doing any of that, like if you don't have recycling set up in your facility, if you're not thinking about your impact on the community that your stadium's in, if you're releasing wastewater, that kind of thing, like it doesn't matter what you put out to other people. So we need to hold ourselves accountable before and while we're educating with our platform. I love that. Putting your money where your mouth is essentially. Uh, are there any other teams or organizations or athletes or brands even that you're looking to as an example or that have been helpful in sort of helping you brainstorm different ideas for the Red Stars? Like, oh, I saw this person do this. Here's how we could adapt it for, for our situation. Yeah, definitely. I think everything I do, I am, or I'm constantly like looking to see what other people are doing. How are they having a positive impact? So yeah, I'm always looking out for people like this. And I'm a part of a group called Eco Athletes that is a group of college and professional athletes that are all passionate about environmental issues. And we meet about once a month, once every other month. And we just kind of bounce ideas off each other to figure out what we can do as athletes to actually make an impact and not just have like empty messages that we put out on social media, that kind of thing. So that has been super helpful and inspirational for me to see what other people are doing, how they communicate, what they're communicating, what they're focusing on and what they do outside of the field, the court, the pool, that kind of thing, because we all are very like-minded in how we approach our sport. Like we're very dedicated, that kind of thing. But how do we take that mindset to other things we're passionate about? So that's been a really helpful space for me. Um, I would say specifically in women's soccer, Lou Barnes is a player on OL Reign and she's incredible. She's a veteran of the league. And I've like had multiple conversations with her just to like see what she does. Like I, I ask personal questions, like how do you incorporate more of a plant-based diet into your training? But then I've also had broader questions, like how do you decide what kind of companies to work with or 
how do you implement programs within your club, that kind of thing. So she's been kind of my role model in this space just because she is women's soccer and she's such an awesome person. But there are so many athletes and teams that are starting to do good work in this space. How can your fans and supporters help? Like what's the the easiest way for someone like one of our listeners or one of our community members to help make sure that your initiatives are successful as someone um, who's just a fan? I would say, well, no one's ever just a fan. I think that fans are like literally why sports are a thing because they help keep everything running. So I guess how could fans help in these situations is I guess whenever we have an initiative, like interact with it. I don't know, even if it's just something on social media where we ask maybe like what your questions are or what's something that you would look for from the team, like interact with the answer, respond. And then when we have a green game, I'll let you know when the date is, come out to it and talk to all the awesome organizations that will be there and all that good stuff. So just, I guess, engaging with what we're doing because just keep being a fan. Great. Yeah. <laughs> um, have there been any challenges that you've been surprised by so far? Maybe, you know, yes, on this level of uh, being a sustainability ambassador and, you know, working to implement these, these new ideas. Um, but maybe also just in a broader sense of adjusting to life as a pro athlete. Uh, we love talking about challenges that, that you've then overcome on the podcast. So yeah. give us a, a little insight here. I would say one that I already briefly mentioned was kind of the imposter syndrome of like, who am I to be talking about this kind of stuff? Um, So that's something I've definitely had to reflect on personally. Like how much do I want to put myself out there? How much am I comfortable talking about like facts and that kind of stuff? Like, do I know my stuff? Am I doing my research and all that, which, because I don't think that I'm not necessarily someone who, naturally wants to share a ton on social media like it's just not my it's not in my nature I guess like I think yeah. there's a benefit yeah. to social media but I'm a little uncomfortable with it like yeah. I think a lot of people are and so I've had to figure out like who am I in this space of trying to be somewhat of an activist on here while also being myself like I don't want mm-hmm. to just fall into a pattern of like oh yeah recycle do this like I want to make actual impact in the community yeah. Um, so figuring out how to do that in the best way I can as Zoe, as a soccer player and as someone who advocates for sustainability. So I guess that's been one that I've had to figure out how to deal with. Um, I would say another one is just how large sports are like, so going, like I talked about going from college to professional, it's just such a larger space that so many more stakeholders have a say in. So I can't just come in and be like, Hey, we should do this. We should do this. And then just like do it myself. Like I can't see that. There's so many other people that need to agree with what I'm saying or get on board with it or like sign off on it. Um, so just kind of figuring out how to navigate that and maintaining like why I want to be doing this and communicating that well to people, I guess, because there's like, there's a reason why like I'm passionate about these things and I want, and trying to figure out how to communicate that, I guess, in the best way possible. Yeah. (laughs) It's like your version of office politics, right? Except your (laughs) office is a stadium and your politics is helping 
you know, convince other stakeholders to get on board with these changes. Yeah. And I think I'm grateful to be in the women's soccer space because it is a community that cares so much about other members of its community. Yeah. So people are like so on board with anything I bring to them. And then it's just figuring out how do we actually implement this? Um, So it's never a problem of people like wanting to help or people like being on the same page, that kind of thing. It's more like, okay, but how do we actually do this now? Cause we are yeah. like, we are a young league um, in term compared to other leagues. So like figuring out how to navigate these things without necessarily having a pathway laid out already, or like a communication channel that's like, Oh, we go talk to this person about this. So it's kind of like forging new pathways for that kind of thing. Um, yeah. At the same time though, like there's a lot of opportunity being a young league to establish these things early on. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's a great perspective. It sounds like there's a lot of room for like the yes and mentality. Yes, for sure. Um, we're coming to a close of our time here in the next little bit, but as I mentioned earlier, women in sports is like our version of women in STEM on a sweatlife.com. And we are seeing a huge resurgence in the recreational athlete among our community and our friends and people who are turning to sports as an adult to find like fun ways to move their body and ways to make new friends. And I have to say being on a women's professional soccer team sounds like one of the best ways to have like a built-in friend group, especially as a new person out of college trying to make friends that um, you didn't necessarily have built in when you're like showing up to classes or whatever. So Tell me a little bit about what it's like to be in the community of a women's soccer team and um, how that's been influencing like you making friends as an adult. Yeah. I mean, that's how like I've had this my whole life, I guess. So I am super grateful to just be able to step into the new space I'm in and know that there's other people around me that care about the same things I do and that I can relate to automatically. So that's something that I think has made this transition out of college easier is I literally know my coworkers and then I also live with them. Like I live, mm-hmm. they're like who I hang out with after work. So they're my friends, my coworkers, all that kind of stuff. So it has been really nice to have that built-in community, especially moving to a new town, being in kind of this like new stage of life, I guess, where we're all navigating the same thing. And then there's players on the team who have been through what I'm going through right now. So I can also go to them with anything I have questions about. Cause I know that they've been in the exact same spot that I'm in right now. So yeah. it's really comforting. What would your advice be to maybe someone who has been interested in, you know, joining a rec league, whether it's soccer or kickball or something else, but is maybe scared that they won't be good, scared that they won't make a friend. What advice would you give to that person? I would say it doesn't matter if you're good at all. Soccer is more about the community, like you were just saying. So like when I am like on a walk at night or something and I pass a rec field with tons of people just playing games, I'm so jealous because I miss that just kind of like carefree side of soccer, which I love what I'm doing. And like, I love the level it is, but that is what I love about soccer is just the going out and playing with friends kind of thing. And just Mm -hmm. there's something about when your heart rate gets elevated and you're starting to sweat that like, uh, there's probably some science behind this, but like, you just feel good. And like, it's easier to just be yourself. It's easier to connect with other people who are in that same space. So 
I would say go for it. Like if you're thinking about it at all, for sure, give it a shot. And I'm, I'm pretty sure that there's also science that says like you form closer bonds with people when you're working out or sweating next to them. Um, I'm fairly sure we've written about this in the last five years, but my, my brain is blanking on the exact thing. So I will find a link to that. And future Kristen will put that in the show notes. Um, I definitely like it. For yeah. Sure. Yeah. Um, maybe it's a shared trauma yeah. <laughs> in certain workout classes. No. Yeah. Um, I'd like to call dibs on you when you're healthily retired from soccer for my future Chicago Sports and Recreation League, if that's, if that's within the bounds. I will definitely be there. <laughs> uh, Zoe, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. I would love to give you your own minute of shameless self-promotion. So tell us where we can find you, where we can find the initiatives that you're working on, um, when we can come see the Red Stars, if there's any games coming up in the next couple months or season kickoffs that we should be aware of. So this is your time. Time to yeah. shine. So I mean, I'm on Instagram. I'm on Twitter. Like I said, not super active on Twitter. Starting to be more active on Instagram. I'm on LinkedIn. I think my Instagram handle is ZMO101. Twitter is ZMO10. And yeah, I think in terms of Red Stars, we're like about to enter our regular season. Right now we're in a preseason tournament, but our regular season I think kicks off April 22nd or something like that. So we're home at least every other week playing a game at SeatGeek Stadium out in Bridgeview. So come check us out there. We actually have a game at Soldier Field this year. So if you're in a city, don't have a car, maybe take that public transportation, head to Soldier Field um, and come check that out. I'm so excited about that. And That'll be so fun. Yeah, I'm so excited. I actually was driving by Soldier Field today and I was like, I was giddy. I'm so excited. Getting, getting pumped up. <laughs> yes. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast again. And we'll share all of those links um, on our website and social media and all that good stuff. And we will see you on the internet and on the soccer field soon, Zoe. Awesome. Thank you so much. This has been another episode of We Got Goals and a SweatLife.com production and another thing that is better with friends. Thanks to Ryan Deffitt for editing the audio and Ryan Barayuga for editing the video that you can find on YouTube. Find us wherever you get your podcasts. And remember, our title is hashtag We Got Goals. Yes, the hashtag. Make sure to rate and subscribe so that other people can find out about us and follow us on all social platforms at A Sweat Life.